how's that? Is that a little better? Yeah. A little better? That's great. Okay, I'm, I'm going to turn up my sound. I can't hear you very well. And you can hear me okay? Yeah, I'm just going to turn up my sound a little so I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, too. great. Yeah, and, and I just want to start by saying that um, I, um, you know, I was listening to your three things you would have liked to have known about learning music. I listened to that yesterday and um, it really resonated with me. I'll, I can talk a little about that later, but um, I loved, you did a lovely piano improvisation during that during part of that podcast. And I just wanted to say it was, it was beautiful to listen to, so. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. Yeah, I, I love listening to that. That's the kind of stuff, you know, when I do my harp therapy, when I went to harp therapy school, and I'll talk more about that when we get going, but um, yeah, when I went to harp therapy school, I went, specifically for that purpose of being able to improvise on certain modes to reach people, so. Wow, so I, I didn't know, I hadn't really thought about it, but of course there has to be, there have to be programs out there for, for that specialization. And- well, Yeah, there, there are, they're not, very many that are specific to what I wanted. Um, I wanted to go and study specifically about somatics, um, which I'm a big believer in, the power of sound. That's all very, very important stuff to me in terms of my story, um, transforming my life. And um, I so I picked a school that, because I knew when my calling was to be able to play harp bedside at, at hospice for people who are transitioning or in pain. And so the school I picked, the harp therapy school I picked was specific for those kind of things. And it was phenomenal. It changed my life. And when when was that in your life and and where is that school located yeah that school is centered in san diego california and when was that that i did that i i had no harp i had no way of getting there I, <laughs> of affording the program and the universe you know i just focused on it and the universe opened up and i did a gofundme campaign and I raised enough money to get a harp and to go and study there. So that was probably, oh, maybe six years ago. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have to look, but um, it was phenomenal. And it was all about learning the Greek modes and being able to improvise and use certain tones, how to find a person's resonant tone so that you can um, improvise a piece in that particular mode that would really connect with them the most. And depending on what they're needing, whether it's relief from pain or just a peaceful transition into the next chapter of their life, so to speak, um, you, you choose according to that. And, you also make adjustments according to their breathing patterns and their facial expressions. So it's, it's quite something. That, that's fascinating. So everyone yeah. has a resonant tone. Everyone does have a resonant tone. Sometimes it can change, mm -hmm. but um, it's an amazing thing. And even, 
even people I played for that I didn't get a chance to find their particular resonant tone, you know, I can tell you that the power of the harp, I, I chose the harp, I never really had any interest in the harp before, but after I studied, you know, I started to learn about cymatics and the power of sound. Um, I learned that the harp is the most powerful of all acoustic instruments because it has the longest unimpeded vibrating string. And that made sense to me. And I certainly learned that after I graduated and well, after I finished studying in this program and, and started applying the work, playing bedside at hospice, um, I found that it really is true because I, I'll tell you the second time I went to hospice and I was playing, I was playing outside the room of a client of a patient. I didn't, I didn't know anything about them other than they were in hospice on, in getting ready to transition. And I just started playing. And about 20 minutes after I started playing, a woman came out from that room and started walking towards me. And I just kept playing. And as she got closer, I could see she was in tears. And uh, I was a little concerned, but I kept playing. And she kneeled down and looked at me and I paused for a minute and she said, I just had to come out and tell you, I can't thank you enough for the music that you've been playing because my husband is in there. I've been lying with him. He's been in there and he's dying now. And he has not been cognizant for the last several days. And since you've been playing, he suddenly came to and started talking with me and was very present. And he said to me, as we held each other, he said, it feels to me like we're listening to the music of angels. And she was just so moved to have had him right there for that time. And then of course she left and went right back into the room to be with him. And, and he passed um, after that. But that, that's the power of the harp. You know, that wasn't me. That was, I'm just a channeler. Mm -hmm. That was the magic, the power of the harp doing its incredible um, influence on every cell of our body. And, and certainly, you know, if you study cymatics, which I, I did when I get to heart, got to heart therapy school, it's all about that. You see visual proof of what vibrational, vibrations of sound does to every cell of our body all the time. And so I'm always encouraging, I'm always helping clients to be aware of that so they can be very mindful of their, what I consider to be their soundscape. You know, in this culture, we put a lot of emphasis on being aware of what we see and stay away from violent movies and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think we do enough, and hopefully you, you get this, I don't think we do enough with educating people of being very mindful of what you allow yourself to hear. Well, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you there. I, I was already, my head was going to a different place when you were talking about all of the cells resonating in your body at once, which the ability for the body to do that, it, that's unknown in, in Western culture, that, that you can actually uh, heal the body all at once and not have to target specific areas. 
So that that's an entire other topic yeah. that I'd like to talk about at some point. Sure. But um, I I'm with you in in uh, that notion that we don't uh, we we don't have practices like this in in our culture in our education that help us screen through what's what's important and what's not to 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 take in visually or sonically uh, there's been very little guidance and uh, I can I can say that even coming from one of the best public school systems in the United States, uh, which uh, I'm from uh, northern northwest New Jersey, oh. and and uh, I have a fantastic school system, and I've had more than a few excellent teachers who've who've had a, left an impact on me. Uh, but they're, they're still busy teaching their, their craft and, and their special specialty. So it's not, you don't often have someone who's willing to go to this other, other subject matter unless they um, are, are trained in that. Um, fortunately, I have teachers who are willing to go there and I don't have to seek out a, a separate teacher for it. But I would say, by and large, it's it, like maintaining a spiritual connection and being mindful of what you take in is not something uh, that we are taught in, in our education system. No, not at all. Yeah, it's amazing how few people even know about the power of sound on, on our bodies and what it does moment by moment and what it's capable of, of doing if, if you channel it correctly. I, I try, you know, I do a lot of education on just making people aware of cymatics and showing them the evidence, showing them these beautiful diagrams of what happens, what the cell can look like with a particular tone um, and how it just blossoms suddenly into this shape of perfect sacred geometry versus how what an ugly design and just chaotic structure it becomes when it's exposed to certain forms of dissonant sound or negative toxic words, all, all kinds of things. It's, it's an infinite journey of discovery. So. And with that, that ability requires a lot of care on our part and and sensitivity because you could you could very easily um with all of all the modern distractions that we have now that that could very easily be taken advantage of because you you do have such a high level of openness and yes and and sensitivity so so it's not it's not entirely about about opening up because you still have to have like a level of of uh of filters of filter, yeah, there's a reason yeah. we have them. They're, yeah, they're for exactly. some level of protection. Right. So just like, you know, the adage of choosing your thoughts carefully because they influence every part of your body. 
It's the same thing with sound. Choose your sound. Choose what you listen to. Choose the kind of people you're around who speak particular kinds of words and um, tones. It all makes a huge difference. And, you know, part of my transformation coming from how I changed and transformed myself to be able to get out of a wheelchair is harnessing all these things that are right here for us and they're free. And they're, all you have to do is understand them and use them. Um, and it's right here and I, it's amazing to, I, I love what I do because I help people be aware of this, these things and try to get them started on changing their life and getting out of a place of despair, so. Where do you usually start with? I, I, it has to be different for everyone, and I, I imagine. But what's when when you're when you're just establishing a rapport with someone with a a a, a patient or a client? How what kind of thought process do you go through? Well, I, th I think I think I was kind of born into the world to do this kind of work. I think it was kind of why I'm here. That's what I discovered in my 69 years of being on the planet. Um, so I, and especially after doing this kind of work for now for over 30 years and kind of honing what works, what I see work, what I see doesn't work with people. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good at having a high sense of being able to connect with people's energy. Mm -hmm. In other words, connect with what they're not saying as well as just the words that they're saying. Uh, connecting with their energy, their field, their vibration. Um, and, then, and then sensing what they are needing from that, but also directly asking. I always ask my, the people I work with if, if there was a magic lantern, if you could change the way you feel inside, the way you think, how would you like to be different? You know, I ask them for their, where they want to be. And then I ask them after that, how would their life be different on a day-to-day -day basis if those things happened? Um, so I, I always want to go where they want to go. I'm, you know, I'm not the captain of their ship. My, my role is to help them see that they're the captain of their ship and help them go where they want to go. I love that approach. That, that sounds very similar to, to my mentor for piano, who, who is the same. He, he, he wouldn't want to take you through it all, all with, uh, with him leading the way, because then, you know, how, how does that help you when you are on your own later on? Exactly. Yeah. So have you have you looked for well I'm I'm sure you have. Have you uh kept records of each each uh person you work with and how they mm -hmm. how they have improved so that you could hopefully disseminate a more true narrative of how the body heals itself? Yeah, I definitely keep records. That's part of my ethical practice as well as just my own uh, treatment approach with, with people. Um, I am licensed in what I do and I'm very mindful of that. And um, 
so I do keep records, but it's amazing to me the kind of work that I've developed, my treatment approach and the tools and everything that I work with clients. What's amazing to me and what's amazing to my clients is that they respond and they get better. They get to a better state of being um, while working with me. And I have graduated many, many clients who just get to this other place of where they really wanted to be. And it's lovely to see that. It's lovely to go through that process and witness that with them and see everything about them um, changing for the better. You know, one of, one of my practices as a psychotherapist is I, I was schooled in traditional mental health counseling, mental health therapy, but I got fascinated in the 1990s with a brand new field that was started by Martin Seligman um, that is called positive psychology. And that is, instead of just looking at a client from the perspective of alleviating their depression, what he did was study and research, what is it that makes people happy? What is it that makes people flourish and feel that they have a sense of joy and meaning in their life? And I loved that. And so that's kind of where I come from is let's not just get you out of feeling horrible. Um, let's get you on the path of being able to experience joy and um, live more towards who you truly are, even though you can't see it right now, but it's there. I was just having a conversation about um, with my with my piano mentor about we we somehow got on the topic of acupuncture and mm. started talking about how well I I was I was so I was so um, astounded by the effects of just going once a month and. I started feeling like if if this is helping me this much, then perhaps I should go more frequently. And he he got into this story of of an acupuncturist he had met along the way, who comes from a lineage of acupuncturists, and their approach was basically true acupuncture you with with a true acupuncturist you can you can find that that issue and you can you can fix it and not just provide relief but you know on un, unwind that whole issue in sometimes just one visit right resolve yes yeah. and it it sounds like your your music has the power to do something similar to people where where of course you work with them over a long period of time but it it's it helps them so much that it has that lasting effect on their life even after they've graduated with you mm -hmm. and I, I i just i'm fascinated by that possibility and I would, I would, can't wait to hear you play later. Well, I'm not going to be able to play because all my, my therapy stuff is packed up okay. in the other room. But um, I, I got to say that a lot of this I do by being present with the client and hearing them, hearing their experience. So much of it is validation. We all come into the world needing to be validated and affirmed. And given that sense of 
yes, I see you. Yes, you are important. Yes, you are perfect, whole, and complete. And when that doesn't happen, or perhaps it happens initially, but then something drastically disrupts that, it's incredible the effects of how we are, we feel disconnected, disconnected from source even. The universe, the spirit, whatever name you want to give that, um, but it's really a disconnectedness with love, you know? Disconnectedness with who you truly are as a, as a being. Um, and we never lose that, but most of us never learned or felt that we are that to begin with, or we lose sight of it. And so that's where, that's where I come in. That's where this work comes in. When people hear validation, yeah, they, when, when I've heard it in the past, I feel like either usually I try to put myself above it in, in some way. Like, okay, tell me what, what you mean by that. Well, um, I, I try to reason with myself and it, with like, well, I, I don't need. I don't need to be validated in, or I, I think the, the thought that I have usually starts out with, well, ultimately my, uh, you know, how I feel about myself is the, is the most important because that's, that's what we have permanently as, you know, being alive. And so I prioritize that over, over others validating me. And, um, you know, that's probably a way to, to feel like you're strong, to feel like I, I have, uh, you know, a strong sense of self and I don't need any kind of external mm. validation. But hmm. I, I don't think that is, I don't think that's the only way to approach that because as, as you've just mentioned, validation nurtures the soul. It's not just some, something superficial. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm talking about with validation is coming into the world as soon as we are in this reality and feeling a sense of validation and trust and okayness from our caregivers, whoever or whatever they are, but we need that. We, we get our feeling of self first and foremost from those people early on. It's not something that we are inherently born with. We need that validation in order to live. A child that doesn't have that, an infant that doesn't have that validation um, will eventually, if it's severe enough, have what's called failure to thrive. And they'll get ill enough physiologically that, that they die. Um, that's seen in animals as well. We are, you know, as homo sapiens, we are wired for human connection. We are social beings and we need that connection from the moment we're born. And that, that kind of beginning is what really helps set the stage for how we feel about ourselves as we grow up and become adults. I, I can't imagine 
not having that in because I have a very loving family and um, I think it's the the impact of of being without that is is so dramatic that I it just it breaks my heart that that so many people go without it for so long in their relatively short life um, you know yes um it's it's totally it's very much a tragedy and um it sets up for everything going wrong i mean it affects us spiritually psychologically emotionally physiologically people a lot of autoimmune issues come from that kind of brokenness inside let alone depression anxiety um, it's incredible i i also have found that if you uh, you can derive your sense of self from from very specific things so so that if if you uh, if you let those specific parts of your life if if you put the most amount of weight on those things then even if you're nurtured in other places in your life mm -hmm. if those specific areas aren't sure then that can affect you as severely as a general sense of not getting um, yeah need. and uh i i feel that that's coming from personal experience i i've placed a lot of importance on uh on my my profession and my ability to uh, create and and to to find a way of living my life that that works uh, just for me and that is is a very even today that that's radical for a teenager to formulate um, based based on other people's perceptions it's it's radical for me it felt pretty normal to go well <laughs> you know most most career choices seem like a bit of a pain factory and uh i would like something that allows me more freedom of expression and and the satisfaction of helping others in a way that i see fit um, and that's that's sustainable for me, and so that that was very normal for for me to think through as as a as an adolescent. Um, but for for those around me, it, it was kind of abnormal. Um, you know, like it's you're you're always going to have the idea first because you're the one who's going to do it so of course it's going to take other people around you time to warm up to mm -hmm. to the vision you have and so yeah. for that reason i have a lot of compassion for other people and and like and the sort of lag time between when you notice something and when they notice something mm -hmm. so this isn't this isn't something that that uh you know that i'm wrestling with now but it, it's something that i have definitely recognized as as something that can stifle a person and, and their growth along the way yeah yeah i think you were talking about the importance of all aspects of life um, being so incredible. I, you know, I work with people, when I work with people, I 
we look at the totality of, of the wheel of what makes a person flourish or have a meaningful life. And it's all different aspects. It's not just one, but a, a big component of that that I'm always getting people to look at is where is their outlet of creativity? Expressing their creativity. Everybody has um, a mode, many, some many modes of creativity. And a lot mm -hmm. of people don't know what it is. They don't tap into it. They don't express it enough. And it's a way of, I'm, what I describe to them is if, I, if I'm not expressing my creativity, because it's such a big part of me on a daily basis, I almost feel uh, psychically constipated. That's I don't know if you can relate to that, can, but it, it I can just absolutely relate to that. Yeah, everything inside me just stops and I feel horrible and I feel stuck. And then I get anxious and depressed. And so a big part of that for everyone is creativity. Another area that I really explore with them is how much movement they're getting in their daily life because the human body was designed to move every day. And so much of our physical and psychological problems come from when we don't do that amount of movement that we're supposed to have. So there's, there's all that, those many facets in there. But um, I just wanted to mention that because you and I both know the power of expressing and finding your areas of creativity. And a lot of people have no clue what their mode, that they are creative. You know, a lot of people discount that they even are creative in any capacity. And we're all born with creativity. It's a gift that we need to, we need to cherish. It sure is, and I, I can't imagine a life without it. I, so, so that, so I'm, I'm very understanding of people who, who both have the longing for it, but have, have kind of lost their way. And I think if you can see both sides of that in a person then then you can you can meet them better where they are and because both of those elements are true like just because if someone is starved of their creativity it doesn't mean it's it's all gone and right. so you have to be able to see that side of them still and that mm -hmm. can be that can be hard it takes yeah you're, you're you're right yeah um, and so much of it, I know, talking to people, even talking to friends, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, I could never do that. A lot of it is so much self-doubt. Um, and I, you know, I was listening to your podcast the other day of things you wished you had known. A lot of people might try an instrument or whatever form of artistic expression. Um, and then give it up. And I like your three things that you are talking about reminding people of. I think it's also those three things are for any aspect of a person's life that they want to improve. But um, the things that you listed, patience, having patience, with yourself when you are learning something, especially when you're learning something new. Patience and being able to be calm and gentle with yourself is something so mandatory to just have a sense of feeling okay through the day. 
Um, the second thing is you mentioned was having more focus, you know, focus on that area. We, we understand that principle of focus when we're talking about, I think most people do, when you're talking about, for example, bodybuilding, sure. you have to work the muscle to build up the fiber mm-hmm. size and strength of the fiber. And that has to be done consistently over time. And it, the exact same thing is true for anything we're trying to instill, anything we're trying to learn. There has to be consistency of focus to make that neural connection happen in the brain. And therefore, after a short period of time, if you're consistent, as you know, it becomes habit and you have a feel. Like on my piano work, when I'm, I've just been learning a new uh, uh, piece of Chopin, and I, I'm just trying to get it by memory. Which one? And to me, it's the prelude in C variation and i'm what i'm what i'm trying to do is get it to the place where um it's i have a feel for it i can play it with my eyes shut my my hands go to the patterns and when i'm in bed at night before i go to sleep or in the morning i'll i'll hear the notes of the left hand and I'll feel the finger placement because, as you know, as I find out with anything, particularly classical pieces, fingering is everything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting that muscle memory in both fingers and hands. And with me, it's a little more challenging because MS has taken uh, away a lot of the feeling capability in my fingers as well as coordination. So I had to allow myself, I used to be able to play very technically difficult pieces. And I, at one point was in so much despair about where this condition was taking me physically, no longer being able to play how I used to play that I gave up the piano. I gave, I sold some of my instruments it was too painful for me and you know i thought that would be helpful but after just a couple of years i just i felt so much emptiness inside that i just had to come to jesus meeting with myself so to speak and said look let's redefine how you're going to bring music back in your life and it's not about being able to play at a certain level it's about being able to just enjoy the hearing of the notes in however you can make that happen. And it was a a lovely um, redesigning of that that paradigm for me. And it's made all the difference. Um, It took all the heat, all the pressure off of me. And I got a piano back in my life and I, reinvested in instruments um, and chose some new instruments that were easier for me to play. Opened up a whole new realm for me. It's just been exquisite. So I can I can relate to wanting to play pieces that are challenging and perhaps at your skill level, perhaps a little, a little higher. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's always, no matter what the challenge is that you're, that you're surmounting, there's always this added element of strain. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of this, this Alan Watts lecture I was listening to, which is that when when we're brought up we are taught that to really try when you're doing something or or to really focus there has to be this like added compensation this 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 reflex that we have that that leads to more strain that that 
that makes us believe we're actually trying something we're trying more and doing something better but it's actually taking away from our our greater sense of focus mm -hmm. and um i forgot the expressions he used but like um but I, I'm sure you've heard them somewhere. Oh, he, he was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, people like Alan and Ram Das, um, amazing, amazing prophets. Uh, I think that I think the expression one of them was like pull yourself together. And in, embedded in these phrases we tell kids and, uh, and people is this is this muscular strain and mm. so it's no wonder that we that we feel physical pain when we we are pushing beyond our limits and so i too have have had my own <clears throat> manifestations of that strain um be it you know pelvic pain or uh just a you know a loss of circulation um and you know I've, I've had chronic back pain in the past and some amount of scoliosis mm -hmm. uh, so i've i i can definitely relate on that i really want to know which prelude this is because i i think the only ones i i really recognize oh hold, hold on a second i'll okay. get that answer if you give me just oh, a second yeah. to walk over yeah prelude and variation in c minor it's just a lovely is there a number that goes with it or an opus? Okay, hold on. Twenty, perhaps. Opus twenty-eight, number twenty. Got it. Yeah, you'll know that. Wow, I, I wonder if I've heard this. The one I oh you uh, you have. It's very, it's yeah. a classic. It's a standard, but it's it's one for me. You know, we all like I said in the beginning have these resonant tones in our body that 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 especially speak to us. And that piece for me, the pieces that I'm trying to commit to memory now, are the pieces that really speak to me and resonate my being. So, and, and that is just a lovely one for me. I, I'm for sure going to listen to that one later and perhaps I'll, I'll learn it. I've been, I've been working on the prelude in E minor with a few of my students. Okay. Have you heard that one? I'm sure, but play a little for us. It's always, it's always love to, I love to hear it. Well, I, uh, let me see here. You have everything tablature on your computer? Or your, yeah. Your I'm, composition? I'm going yeah. to see if I can pull it up. Okay. Um, if not, it might be on my iPad. Um, I could absolutely play next time. I, I actually would rather use, because I, I, I have until noon, because I have a student then. Um, yeah, I have to go in, in eight minutes, exactly, so. Okay, well, I would love to play for you next time. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I really enjoyed talking with you. It was wonderful. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, and and I can I'll send you the sheet music to this one actually. Okay. Uh, I can. 
it's and also and also if you don't mind um max if if anyone would like to to reach me i'd love to leave my contact information with you or okay. if you want if you want to post it for them um i'm always just happy to hear from people and uh if anybody wants further information about anything that i've said or they want to connect with me i'm i'm happy to to hear from folks wonderful you can um yeah just leave your information in in an email and I'll, okay uh, i'll keep you in mind do you do virtual consultations yes in fact the majority of my work now is virtual okay so yeah that's not a problem at all and that my you know it's been an interesting experience for me because even the clients some of the clients that i started working with prior to covid and i'd see in the office then we switched to virtual and i i didn't even know if that was going to be workable for me or how effective it was going to be. But we we all have found that it's really an amazing how you can have that sense of presence with the person even virtually and that that relationship can be just as strong um, in the vibrational field. So again, I, it's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree again with you there. I've been really astounded by by the relationships that I've been able to develop just virtually. So and and yeah. I don't think I think that's something the pandemic gave us was a, a shift towards uh, allowing more of that and exploring exploring virtual as an alternative that 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 can be as effective. I agree. I agree totally. Well, listen, it, it, it's been a pleasure and I'll, we'll stay connected and I'll send you my contact information for your listeners. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for coming on, Jin. You're welcome. It's, it's been a, a wonderful connection to have the honor of listening to you on your own podcast as well as just talking with you today. Thank you for for tuning in to some of my episodes. It's it's sure. nice to hear someone talk about one of the previous ones. I'll have to go back and and listen to it again. It's been okay. A, but uh, it'll give us something to talk about next time. All right. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now.